Hi, I'm Kathy Reneses, and you are listening to the Coaching Happiness Podcast, powered by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. Welcome to episode 35 of the Coaching Happiness Podcast. My name is Kathy Reneses, and I'm a life coach, speaker, and founder of Coaching Happiness a coaching service focused on hard work whose mission is to create a better world one person at a time. This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia, Podmetrics, Centro Holistico, Sunrider Philippines, and Kangen Water PH. Revolutionize your health with water. Hello, hello, my darlings. I hope that you are all well and thriving and optimistic about the future. We're finally in November. Oh, this is my favorite month of the year because of Undas, first of all. I know it's weird, but I like that between Halloween all saints day and all souls day there is like a nice long vacation there and also because i just finished celebrating my birthday and i turned 36 this year 36 ugh grabe when i was in my 20s i thought that that number meant that i would be ancient because based on the movies that I would watch that were like in the 80s and 90s parang pag 36 kina parang sobrang thunders po ng tingnan <laughs> but funnily enough I feel a lot younger now that I'm 36 than when I was 26 I think that completely changing my lifestyle is definitely a big factor I was too busy trying to chase success trying to climb the corporate ladder and trying to prove to myself and to others that I was enough. Now, I lead a more quieter life. I know what matters to me and I know what my intention is now for living and I wake up in the mornings with that in mind. Also, I think changing my diet to include a lot more fruit and vegetables, as well as drinking a lot of Kangen water, has also turned back the clock by a lot. I've also developed a spiritual practice, a deeper spiritual practice, and I've had a lot of aha moments for myself, especially this year, that has just kind of brought me closer to understanding myself and my purpose. Um, and that it doesn't need to involve religion. And because of that, I feel a lot more connected to everything and everyone around me. And I know that the, the people, um, the opportunities that come my way isn't by coincidence. And yeah, I think these realizations, these aha moments, they, they come with age 36 years (laughs) so i guess i'm talking about developing and deepening a spiritual practice is just so apt now that i'm on my you know next kind of journey around the sun it's also a topic that i'm just really into like you have no idea in my circle of friends, I'm usually the one that they label to be like the woo-woo one, um, the intuitive one. And it's also a great tool, my spiritual practice for when I do coaching as well. But yeah, some people find it a little too far out there for their liking. It's okay. In my opinion, balancing the woo side of life has what's helped me kind of look at life differently, get excited about manifesting what I want and attracting opportunities. Because I think staying open to the magic 
is the key to dancing in the middle. So for this podcast episode, I just want to share some of my experiences and my aha moments with developing my spiritual practice, as well as my love of human practicality. (laughs) And hopefully some of these ideas will maybe resonate with you and you can run with it. So I'm just happy to know that you're open to listening to this and taking what works for you. Um, Before I sink my teeth into the topic, I think it would be best to define terms as a lot of people like to use the term religion and spirituality interchangeably. And yeah, I mean, they aren't really diametric opposites, but they're not the same either. And, you know, for thousands of years, we as curious human beings have passionately tried to seek out the truth with a capital T. (laughs) We look or we try to look for the ultimate answers to life and the universe. And this perennial knowledge constitutes the answers to what are often called the soul questions, like, who am I? What is my purpose? What is the meaning of life? And historically, from the perspective of the soul, there have been two foundational roots to discover these truths religion, and spirituality. Now, they may have similarities, and there really is a relationship between the two. You can have both, or you can have one without the other. There are considerable differences as well. By definition, religion is a personal set or institutionalized system of religious attitudes, beliefs, and practices. It's in the service and worship of an external God or the supernatural. Spirituality, Naman, connotes an experience of connection to something that is larger than you. This is you living everyday life in a reverent and sacred manner. I like how Christina Puchalski, she's a a leader in trying to incorporate spirituality into healthcare, how she explains it. She says that spirituality is the aspect of humanity that refers to the way individuals seek and express meaning and purpose and the way they experience their connectedness to the moment, to self, to others, to nature, and to the significant or sacred. I like that. Usually, religions are most often based upon the lives, teachings, and beliefs of a historical or archetypal figure or prophet like the Christ, Buddha, Moses, Krishna, or Muhammad, for example. The details of their lives as holy or highly evolved beings have been carried to us through oral tradition and written scriptures, and these figures have been the subject of worship and devotion and form the foundation of religious practices and rituals in a community. By contrast, spirituality naman is more often based upon the practical application of the founder's teachings. I like the quote by the Japanese poet, Matsuo Basho, that kind of best explains it. He says, do not seek to follow in the footsteps of the wise. Seek what they sought. Or, to quote Jesus Christ, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Hmm. So, how did I get started on my spiritual development? and my spiritual practice. Um, So my journey really started with my questions about the religion that I was born into. 
So I was born and raised to be Roman Catholic. My mom was who I would describe as devout, although I wouldn't say that she was very spiritual. I remember an incident. I think I was around five or six at the time. And I fell asleep in the car on the way to church. She left me in the hot car alone while she went into church to hear mass. I remember waking up because it was stifling hot and I had trouble breathing. Now, we lived in the United Arab Emirates. So if you think leaving your child inside a car was bad, imagine leaving your child inside a car in the desert heat. Hearing mass for her took precedence over her child. She also liked to highlight passages in our yellow Good News Bible that she felt would vindicate her behavior, like Proverbs 19, verses 18 to 28, which goes, Discipline your children while they are young enough to learn. If you don't, you are helping them destroy themselves. Now, there was definitely a lot of beatings going on in our household, but most of them had nothing to do with disciplining or with God. She was just naturally very heavy-handed. Now, when the Bible wasn't being used against me, I found it fascinating. Even as a child, I was a voracious reader, and after going through all my bedtime storybooks, I needed something else to read. And well, the Bible was a great book to use for bedtime stories. It was filled with stories about angels, talking snakes, arts and animals, seas parting, whale mouths being used as transportation, colorful coats, and dream interpreters. It was my best bedtime story book ever. <laughs> and I loved the magic that I found within its pages. As I got older, I got just more and more disillusioned by the church and the idea of, you know, the more religious you are, the better a human being you were. In fact, in my experience, the more devout you are, the worse off of a human being you tend to be. Case in point, I have an uncle who serves as a minister in church on Sundays. But the only time he ever opens his mouth is to say something horrible about someone. So yeah, doesn't exactly walk the talk. I dislike going to church and I couldn't stand the 30 minute homilies and I, I really couldn't aside from the incense I couldn't appreciate the repetitiveness of the ceremony I feel that a lot of my generation and younger have also kind of felt let down by religion they may have felt confined by the dogma gotten tired of the misogyny or have felt ostracized by the homophobia, which is why, like me, they've turned away from religion, but have been seeking answers elsewhere. Which, you know, it's not a bad thing. If you were to ask me today, I would say I'm more agnostic than anything else. While I don't identify with one religion, I do believe in a higher power, in a creator. But I don't believe that they have all these rules put in place, keeping us in fear of an idea of an eternity in hell, but loving us unconditionally at the same time. <laughs> it just it doesn't compute. The, the fear-based submission is obviously man-made, but we accept it as part and parcel of what we believe anyway. Now, the lines between religion and spirituality can blur a little as well. Like I said, you can be both or you can just ascribe to one path. 
So I think it's important that we get into how someone can identify a spiritual but not religious like myself or devoutly religious but not necessarily deeply spiritual like, uh, well, my mom. <laughs> so to figure out where you are in your spiritual development, let's take a closer look at the most defining differences in these two paths. I want to just preface this as well just by saying that there is no like hard line drawn in the sand with these distinctions. They're just the general markers that are meant to give you a clearer picture of how these two actually differ. So to start off, let's take a look at objective versus subjective experience. So on the whole, any formal religion is often an objective experience. In other words, there is usually a greater focus on what's happening externally. Going to a house of worship, like a church, temple, or mosque, for example, books of scripture, like the Torah, the Bible, the Quran, external rituals and observances. This is the equivalent of what is called object referral, in which your attention is placed upon the objects in your experience. Spirituality, however, leans more toward self-referral or the internalization of your awareness. It's an inward journey that involves a shift in awareness rather than some form of external activity. As such, spirituality is much more about inner understanding than outer worship. Now, this isn't to say that worship is not a part of spirituality. It's a matter of where the devotion and the worship is directed. So for an external practice, object or figurehead might be religion or to your soul, your, your higher self or you being able to recognize the divinity within. We are all God's spark or a temple of the Holy Spirit after all. Have you ever felt like you needed to take your life to the next level? If yes, then go ahead and check out my podcast called Small Talk with Alec Cuenca. Allow me to share with you wisdom by ancient philosophers and modern thinkers partnered with practical science-driven advice. All of that and more only here on Podcast Network Asia. My second point of comparison is organized versus formless. One of the hallmarks of religion is in its organization, right? My dad would kind of kid. I say kind of because I don't know if he's serious or not. He would call the church to be like the greatest, greatest mafia that ever lived. And it kind of makes sense. It is a structured, frequently rule-based construct that to some degree governs the behavior of its members. Meron tayo mga moral rules, laws, and doctrines, as well as specific codes and criteria that make up the organized structure that contains the religion's specific belief system. Ito yung mga bawal kumain ng baboy or baka or may mga kailangan suotin, panagsisimba, or may mga araw na dapat wala kang ginagawa, etc., etc., Spirituality, though, breaks free from the restrictions and rigid structures sometimes associated with traditional religion. The spiritual aspirant can recognize that they are on a pathless path of self-discovery. Kumbaga. They are following not a set of external rules, but their own inner call to spirit. So, like, for example, for a lot of people who have deepened their spiritual practice, kahit walang nagsasabi sa kanila na maging vegetarian or vegan sila, they just do it because they feel that it will just make them feel better about themselves and will connect them to a higher source a lot faster or a lot better. 
The third difference is the traditional versus evolutionary approach. So with a lot of these, well, I guess the main religions are mostly the Abrahamic religions. They are often by nature deeply rooted in tradition, ritual, creed, and, and doctrine. Religious institutions conservatively guard their practices and values, and they hold it rigidly to the past. And the original interpretations of the founders' teachings. By comparison, spirituality is often less focused on the traditional approach and often favors a more evolutionary mentality. So this means that we are a lot more flexible and have a more adaptive mindset towards core teachings of the great wisdom traditions, but also reflect the understanding that, as the name implies, spiritual growth is an evolutionary process. Growth nga eh. Spirituality embraces change and the evolution of consciousness. With spiritual practice, ideas, and interpretations change as individuals, society, and the world moves forward. Now, fourth is exclusive versus inclusive. With traditional religious beliefs, sometimes based on, you know, rigid interpretations of key teachings. And it can create an exclusive worldview that isolates those who may not share the same views or interpretations. Ito yung, you can't sit with us mentality, where people in the religion ostracize others who they feel are unworthy of God's favor. Spirituality makes no such distinctions. It is inclusive and recognizes that Pure spirit is a unifying force. No one is left out. You are part of the universal hologram, all gods and goddesses in disguise. No one has a monopoly on the truth and all are welcome in God's eyes. The fifth is belief versus spiritual experience. So at its core, religion is about faith. That is to say, the belief in something based on unconditional acceptance of the religion's teachings that don't require evidence to validate their claims. So like for me, I was taught to have faith in God or the scripture as being the infallible and ultimate truth of reality. I needed to just accept and surrender to the divine as you know taught this is what leads to ultimate salvation otherwise you become a doubting thomas now spirituality it doesn't really dismiss faith but it often leans more heavily on direct experience through the soul like spiritual practices for example like meditation uh yoga silence and contemplation really allows you to make conscious contact with this more expanded state of consciousness, which in turn really helps to experientially validate the teachings rather than just accepting them on faith alone. You know something because you have tasted the experience yourself and have allowed it to resonate as opposed to taking the word of another. And lastly, there is the concept of fear versus love. Now, despite the best of intentions, religions can sometimes contain a subtle, now a lot of the time, not so subtle, undercurrent of fear woven into their teachings. There is the concept of original sin, divine judgment, God's wrath, or eternal punishment that can create a mental environment that's burden, worry, and anxiety over your worthiness and whether what you do today will result in divine retribution or karmic punishment. On the opposite side of the spectrum, spirituality typically discards these vestiges of 
3D fear and worry in favor of a more loving, compassionate approach to life and death. Spirituality embraces a consciousness-based worldview that supports all human beings on their path to awakening in unconditional love and kindness. Your choices and behavior are guided not by a fear of punishment, but rather this desire to end suffering and create a peaceful and loving world for all. So as you can see, there are notable distinctions in religion and spirituality, but I'm not saying that these are the absolute truths and that they're black and white in terms of difference. I don't think it's supposed to be an either or, and I'm definitely not saying to dismiss religion. You know, if it works for you, it works for you. It's just that my personal experience with religion and the people who preach it really isn't the best, um, which is why I chose a different path, because I personally think that believing in absolutely nothing and being an atheist is a little obnoxious. I think each practice serves as a vehicle to lead you closer to the truth that you seek. And whatever path or combination of the two you follow is the personal and subjective expression of your journey of awakening. So going back to my story of awakening, after being disillusioned with religion, the memorable time in church was, it was election season. Oh, a long time back and the priest spent his entire homily trying to convince his parishioners not to vote for Fernando Po Jr. for president. It was, yeah, that long ago. <laughs> so after that, I was kind of adrift and just disgusted for a while. I explored other religions and other sects. Um, I got into Youth on Fire for a while, and that was fun. Um, explored Buddhism, um, read up on Kabbalah, threw myself into Sufism. And what all of that made me realize was that I enjoyed learning about religion, but it didn't necessarily give me the answers that I was looking for. It was only when I picked up Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now that things started to click in my head and in my heart. Learning to be an observer in this journey called life, um, exploring what triggers us, looking at ourselves through the lens of love and compassion, I realized that all these different religions essentially taught the same thing love, kindness, and compassion. So why then do the congregants do the exact opposite? Huh. My personal aha moment was when I discovered the works of Dolores Cannon. Dolores was a hypnotherapist who described herself as a reporter of sorts. She would take people back through past life and then talk to their subconscious to help her clients get the lessons they're supposed to learn from that life and maybe how to apply it to this life. She has a book called Jesus and the Essenes, which is also available on Audible, by the way, where she converses with one of Jesus's old teachers during his missing years before he started his ministry. In it, she explains what lesson Jesus was trying to teach and spread that, that his old teacher shared. And it was really simply to love one another. The way we still hurt each other and discriminate others based on their beliefs, the color of their skin, or their social class kind of goes to show how up until today, we really haven't learned what he wanted to teach us. 
And that frustrated me for a long time until I realized that I had the power to affect change and that it should really start with me. My journey into developing my spirituality is also one of the reasons why I found this path to coaching. I sincerely believe that all this trauma I experienced growing up made me resonate with people who have undergone the same. And I can better empathize with their situation and hold space for them without judgment because I've gone through something similar. And I've had clients who had clung to religion as sort of their life raft, but have felt let down by it and by the community, feeling guilted to forgive and make up with their abuser because they're a family member without hearing, unpacking, or healing the trauma. A lot of times before I pass them on to a therapist, I sit down with them and we talk about their frustration with their faith and their religion and what they quote unquote should do or are are being pressured to do. And they find looking to develop their spirituality as kind of like a breath of fresh air. People find it freeing and a lot of the times clients enjoy working with me on just developing a spiritual practice that works for them. So I guess you're probably asking yourself, okay, so where do I start then on my developing this spiritual practice? And my suggestion is just to start where you are. Hi, this is Sanaya, and I'm a well-being junkie. It's true, I admit it. I love everything to do with mind, body, and energy, and I'm constantly on a journey of learning, exploration, and self-discovery. So I created a podcast to talk to experts, influencers, and thought leaders to be inspired by new ideas. So join me on the Project Loving Myself podcast. Because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship you have with yourself. You are loved. The French philosopher and Jesuit priest, Pierre Tellihard de Chardin, is quoted to have said that we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. We are spiritual beings first and foremost, and we innately know where the imbalance is. We just haven't taken the time to really sit down and to listen. So if you're struggling to find your spiritual practice, then right now, I want to invite you to ask yourself, where do I want to start on this journey? And just take a few seconds to get out of your head, drop into your heart space, and listen for the answer. What is lacking in my spiritual life? What am I hungry for more of? Where is this pain or emptiness stemming from? How am I going to heal and grow from this? What would that look like as a daily practice? And just listen for what comes up for you without any judgment, just accepting the information for what it is. For me, the initial thing that came up was to just explore other religions that were out there. I guess to kind of see that 
no matter how differently they were packaged, the main message was still the same. For me, it was also to realize that it wasn't just the Roman Catholics that dealt with a lot of guilt and fear. This part was also universal across most religions. And it wasn't something I agreed with. In the core of me, I just knew it was wrong. After learning more about awareness, being present, how our life lessons are cyclical, and how to understand and be at peace with my ego, I then came to better understand how life isn't happening to us, it's happening for us. And that these experiences aren't really negative or positive. They're all simply lessons, part of Earth's curriculum. And the challenge was to keep looking at ourselves, other people, and our experiences through the eyes of love and compassion. No matter how uncomfortable or painful that would be. And Jesus showed us the way, quite literally. An innocent man was crucified, and he didn't complain. The ultimate example of unconditional love. Personally, if you take away the concept of him being divine and just see his story for what it is, him being human, but still choosing love and compassion instead of being angry and bitter at the injustice that happened to him. His example of what we are capable of becomes even more powerful. He really is the way. But we don't go from us to Jesus or Buddha in a day. <laughs> Awareness, change, and deepening your spiritual practice takes time. And along with finding like-minded people who can support your journey, adding tools to support your spiritual growth is a great way to get out of your head, into your heart, and expand your consciousness. So allow me to share some of mine and just take what works for you. Number one is a meditation practice. One of the most powerful tools that I use in my practice is meditation. I can sit in one spot for an hour if you let me. But before I started, I couldn't even last five minutes. My mind was all over the place and just wouldn't shut up. This really was my first lesson on learning detachment. Eventually, I got comfortable just being with the breath or focusing on one thing or observing my body and how it would react to the stillness inside of me. And that was a very grounding spiritual practice, one of the first that I really started on. Number two is Hoponopono. Hmm bit of a tongue twister there, but have you heard of the Hawaiian therapist, Dr. Ihaleakala Heolen, who cured an entire ward of criminally insane patients without ever meeting any of them or spending time in the same room? Hmm. Now you have. Self-identity through Hoponopono or Sith as a powerful method with four simple steps. Repentance, forgiveness, gratitude, and love. This is part of my morning routine. And in my visualizations, I go through the process of saying, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, and I love you to myself, other people, and situations in my life where I feel I've held on to, but it really isn't serving me anymore. 
Number three is journaling. Now, I know a lot of people struggle with journaling because they're not used to writing pen and paper anymore. So just know that if this is you and you're not ready to do it, then don't force yourself. If you feel that you'd like to take on the challenge, then by all means, get excited to do it. For me, I keep an A6 sized daily journal. And the page is just small enough so I don't feel overwhelmed when I write in it. Because usually whenever I start a journal entry, I really want to complete the whole page. So if it's like an A5 notebook, then it takes a while. <laughs> so, you know, with 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 the A6 at least, it, it is small enough. I don't feel overwhelmed when I write in it. And because it's dated, I can see when I've fallen out of integrity with myself. And I can also celebrate seeing all the lovely pages being filled out and just enjoy rereading my daily gratitude pages. Um, so the way that I would use this is I would ask myself a question like, mm, what message do I have from my higher self? And I would go into a meditative state, just allowing my thoughts onto paper, not really thinking about it, just letting the words flow. Um, sometimes I'd pull a meditative card and use that, or I would quite literally write about my day and the aha moments I'd have about what happened, the thoughts running through my head, or what I feel the lesson is for that day. Number four is affirmative prayer, or simply affirmations. Now, I differentiate prayer and meditation with prayer being that time where you talk to God and meditation is when God talks to you. But um, the place where we meet God isn't like up on a cloud somewhere or in a building, but within ourselves, the inner sanctuary, the heart temple, and we can retreat there anytime, anywhere. I like to call this affirmative or positive prayer instead of just affirmations because some people feel uncomfortable affirming themselves. Um, I read this book called The Handbook of Positive Prayer and the author, I think her name is, is, is Hypatia Hasbrook. She says that positive prayer is the way to form a permanent attitude of mind that reflects the eternal benevolent activity of God so that we may truly express our nature as children of God, created in God's image to express God's likeness here on earth. Coming from that spiritual understanding, retraining my brain to appreciate the good things in life when I say I receive only good or health is my nature or I am happy just resonates a lot truer. Five is yoga or any free meditative movement like dancing. Now, I don't necessarily do this every day, but when I feel the urge to move my body besides normal exercise, then I do. Now, movement can transform stagnant energy inside you. And dancing alone in your room is one of the most freeing things you'll ever feel. Like dancing alone outside, it's, it's, it's another feeling. <laughs> and that may take courage for another day. But inside, yes, 100%. But, you know, if you feel uncomfortable dancing even alone in the safety of your own room, you may want to ask yourself why this is that hard for you. Because movement is something that can truly push our spiritual practice to the next level because we're combining body and spirit. So turn on some tunes and just let spirit move you. 
Six is connecting to nature. Now, nature is its own spiritual being. And lucky for us, we come straight from nature. Walking in nature, being near water, all of these fill my spiritual cup. And even simply walking around the neighborhood with my dog, I would notice small things like birds or new flowers I've never seen before. Um, I'm lucky that the studio apartment that I live in is like 40% made up of windows instead of walls. So I get a great view of the outdoors. And I'm really lucky to be able to enjoy mornings, looking out at the fire trees when I sit down to a cup of coffee in the mornings. My tree outside, it's also home to quite a number of nests and the occasional scrawny squirrel. Promise, may mga squirrel dito sa Las Piñas. Natakot pa ako nung una kasi akala ko malaking daga siya. Pero fluffy naman yung buntot. Tapos yun, na-realize ko, squirrel pala siya. <laughs> okay, number seven. Number seven may sound a little woo-woo, but hear me out. Number seven is healing crystals. Now, crystals are thought to promote the flow of good energy and protect against bad juju. And coming from the knowledge that everything is energy and that different crystals vibrate at different frequencies, as well as, well, they look really pretty, I'm not hating it. There are crystals for many types of physical and emotional issues, and some can even correlate with the chakras and the body. Um, I also work as a Reiki practitioner, and having different crystals to kind of help charge the different chakra points works for me. Now, I keep crystals in my bag on my desk at work. I have a lovely little citron cluster. Um, and I like to wear them as jewelry. Really, it's anywhere that I need the energetic support. I also like to meditate with my crystals. So I either hold them in my hand or I put them on a certain portion of my body. And I feel that they really help me connect with earth and my higher self. My um my favorite one right now is a moldavite crystal that I wear as a pendant. It's a green dark green tektite that comes from a meteor that crashed here a long time ago. So it is literally out of this world. I mean, come on. Don't tell me that doesn't amaze you. Okay, and number eight, last, is tarot and oracle cards. Now, don't be scared, but I've been practicing tarot for around, I think, eight years now. I even teach tarot reading for beginners. I know it's gotten bad rep from TV and movies, but for the people who understand and appreciate the healing modality, they know that it can really bring a lot of introspection. The thing I love most about tarot is that no matter the answer that you're seeking, the tarot will always show you what you need to know, not necessarily what you want to know. Now, it may not make sense at first, but um, it comes full circle. So a lot of people also think that tarot is some kind of divination tool. And while, yeah, there might be some psychic tarot readers out there, not all readers are psychic. Uh, it actually acts as more of a mirror, reflecting the thing that we really need to know or simply don't want to face. Oracle cards are a different type naman and I like to use them to bring home a certain message maybe or to gain a little more clarity. My favorite ones to use are anything that Gabrielle Bernstein puts out. Ouija Laksamana's The Quiet Mystic if you're looking for something a little more local and The 72 Names of God. So that's a uh, Kabbalah meditation deck. Whew. 
This is a long one. Before I end this, allow me to share my takeaway with developing and deepening my spiritual practice. What appealed to me about taking the path of spirituality versus religion was the process of just relearning to trust myself, listen to my gut, you know, my, my sovereignty as a spiritual being. Blind belief in religion just doesn't appeal to me. And I need, I needed to question and come to my own conclusions instead of just accepting everything that was told to me as Bible truth. I think this has also allowed me to have a more expansive view of the world and everyone that lives in it. And I've learned to simply just accept other people's journeys. This has also deepened my capacity to care and has made me take a good long look at my values and what they mean to me. Now I can confidently say that I am living my truth instead of just giving lip service. Having a spiritual practice almost forces you to walk the talk. It's not something you're obligated to do for an hour a week, but it's something you live out every day. So if you're like me and have been floundering between religion and spirituality, or if you identify as religious and just have been curious to see what I mean when people say they're spiritual but not religious, I hope this episode brings you clarity. So yeah, that's it for me for this episode. If you'd like to keep up with me, check my upcoming workshops, or just want to keep in touch, you can like and follow me on Facebook and Instagram at coachinghappiness.ph or check out a program and book a telecoaching session at www.coachinghappiness.ph. Thanks for listening. I'll see you online. Bye. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.